What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Radcliffe, and it is Sunday, July 18th. Enjoy the Sundays without football. I mean, hey, I love Sundays with football, but uh, we only got a couple of these left. Pretty wild, man. I'm excited for this uh, season. It's a rebirth. It's a rebirth. We're coming out of the crap of 2020, and 2021, not so bad. So far, so good. Can't complain. I tell you what, though. 2020 wasn't too bad, though, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, of course, the champ is here. We will be covering on today's podcast. Uh, Before I get into that, though, just a friendly reminder to head on over to FTNFantasy.com, where you can check out rankings, projections, some of the best tools in the industry, all of the goods over there. And if you want a taste of what we have for free, well, I uh, I can hook you up there. I have my tiers articles right now live for free. July tiers. I won't update these really until about midway through training camp, essentially now. I mean, nothing's going to change between now and then. So you can get those for free over at FTNFantasy.com. Just click on my author page and you'll be able to find them really easily uh, right there. So let's dive into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Tom Brady did the improbable and, I I mean, almost impossible He left the Patriots. He won the Super Bowl, right? He he tossed 40 touchdowns, you know, 4,600-plus passing yards at 43 years old. Oh, and wait, there's more with a torn MCL. Partially or fully torn, I don't care. You know, there's there's conflicting reports out there. Who cares? (laughs) That's crazy enough as it is. So Brady... An unbelievable year. Now, it didn't start particularly well. Uh, In the first six weeks, he had uh, three finishes at 20 or worse, weekly fantasy finishes, 20th in week six, five, and he was 30th in week two. Uh, But from there on out, things did start to click. Now, you did hear a lot of, I I think, overblown kind of BS hot take. I don't watch the games. I don't have any clue of what I'm talking about. Takes that his deep ball was gone. And, and go back, hey, I can prove it. I have audio. That's the one nice thing about me. Hey, if I have a bad take, the audio is there. But if I have a reasonably okay take, the audio is there. I, I said, hey, Tom Brady's arm wasn't shut. Who the heck was he throwing it to in New England over the last couple of years downfield? Nobody. Nobody. And so this year, this past year, that is, he steps in and yes, he was inaccurate. I think that's a good way of putting it. But at the same time, remember that it was a COVID year. He didn't have his typical offseason. And unlike what we saw in Denver, so when Peyton Manning went into Denver, they were essentially going to run the offense. And it didn't work, and then they ran the Peyton Manning offense. Well, here, Tom Brady ran this Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich offense throughout the course of the year, and it took him half the season to essentially get on the same page with his receivers. Once he got on the same page, we saw the explosive potential. Now, of course, Brady, he ran for six yards. Not not a game for the season. Now, he had three rushing touchdowns, whatever. He's always good for a couple sneaks, right? Uh, Sneak touchdowns. But six, six. So 40 touchdowns. Uh, through the air, that helped into a top 10 season. But the problem with Brady as compared to some of the other guys that we like in this range, uh, you know, even somebody like Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jalen Hurts has 
that rushing ability that Brady just simply doesn't deliver. Ryan Tannehill maybe is the better one because I have these guys back-to-back in my rankings. Tannehill, 265 rushing yards. Tannehill can run. Brady can't. So in a week where you don't have, you have a down week in the passing game, maybe you still chip in a rushing score, 40 or 50 rushing yards, and it's not a disaster. But if Brady has, Brady goes out and has like a 200-yard game, no touchdowns, he's not going to have any rushing yards. If he has any, it's like one. That's a disaster for fantasy. So that's the one drawback with him. Other than the obvious, he's 44 freaking years old. But I will say this. The dude has not shown any signs of decline. Think about it. You know, we talked about this in the Pittsburgh podcast uh, last week. Ben Roethlisberger has shown signs of decline. Has Brady ever shown that? Did he look like he was on the decline this year? Okay, yes, the people complained about the inaccurate deep balls, but he, he was still pushing the ball downfield. I don't think there was any signs of decline. That's scary, man. That's scary. Maybe I shouldn't eat tomatoes and peppers as well. I don't know. Uh, but Because uh, I'm definitely showing signs of decline. Anyway, uh, Brady, he's fine as a back-end quarterback one. Not the highest ceiling, but a reasonably high floor. I don't mind it whatsoever. And the interesting thing here is you have a, a fleet of weapons. You have Mike Evans. You have Chris Godwin. You have Antonio Brown. You even have Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, and the rookie Jalen Darden, who Brady actually helped handpick. So there's that. Then you have three really capable pass-catching tight ends. Rob Gronkowski, late career, but still pretty darn good. Cameron Brait, he's a catch-and-fall-down type of guy, but still pretty good. And then O.J. Howard, and I know O.J. Howard. The, the, one, the one gripe I have, I tell you, yeah, this is this really grinds my gears. No, but seriously, uh, the one gripe I have with the redraft crowd is they they really don't give tight ends long enough, uh, you know, long enough runway. Year one tight ends rarely are going to perform well. Year two tight ends rarely going to perform well. Year three they start to make some improvements. Year four that's when it should hit. Year four, year five for most tight ends that's the career arc because of the learning curve. Kyle Pitts is very likely going to be an exception to that. Occasionally, we will see some guys who make a leap a little bit earlier, like a George Kittle, but obviously, he's a special player. So, I don't know what O.J. Howard is just yet. So, we'll pump the brakes on that one. But, maybe we should unpack this a little bit more. How do the targets get distributed for the Bucks receivers? Uh, we'll do that, plus the backfield after the break. So Brady has a fleet of receivers, uh, and they kept the band together. You know, kudos to Bruce Arians and company here, Jason Light, the general manager, for keeping this basically the entire squad together, plus bringing in somebody like Giovanni Bernard, who isn't going to do much offensively, but it's the intangible that he is one of the better pass pro running backs in the league. Still, he's the best of his generation, according to me. According to yours truly, in my humble opinion, but he's awesome in that, and that helps Brady. But let's talk about the wideouts first. So Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. I do have one major concern for Antonio Brown, and it's whether or not this team goes 12 personnel heavy, which is what they did essentially last year. When you have three pass-catching or capable pass-catching tight ends, 
you're probably going to go 12 personnel heavy. And we saw Antonio Brown last year disappear for stretches, and it wasn't that he was playing poorly. It's just he wasn't on the field. That was the problem. Now, he did have, uh, you know, he had a couple top 10 fantasy performances at the end of the season. I think a lot of people remember those. But there were points where it was like Brown just wasn't, he was playing 40 or 50% of the snaps. If you get that, it's going to be very hard to be fantasy relevant without being, you're, you're basically hyper touchdown dependent. So I'm actually staying away from Brown. I have a ninth round fantasy grade on him, but I also have guys like LaVisca Chenault, who I'd much rather go after right in the same range. So really, I think that the, the targets are mainly between Evans and Godwin. And I actually do think Evans is the top target. Now, historically, yes, we know that Brady loves that slot receiver, which is Godwin. But he also loves a big-bodied downfield guy. Mike Evans isn't quite Randy Moss. There's a statement for you. But he's still pretty stinking good. I don't know if Mike Evans gets his due. He is a love-to-hate for a lot of people for fantasy purposes. But this dude has played seven years in the NFL. He's had over 1,000 yards in all seven years. That's unbelievably good. He also had 13 touchdowns last year. He was the number 11 fantasy wide receiver. He was 15th the year before that. He was ninth the year before that. And yet, he often still gets slightly overlooked. So I've been trying to take him at a value because the the upside is there. Brady's not going to throw the ball the ball a million miles downfield, but he's no slouch in that department. And I would rather Evans than Godwin. It's not that, you know, it's not a huge gap. I have Evans at 14, Godwin at 17. Godwin also now playing in a contract year because he is going to play on his franchise tag. So that is helpful if you buy into that type of narrative. Right now, though, pretty close. 120 targets for Evans. 115 for Godwin. Godwin catching more because they're lower ADOT targets. 77 for him, 72 for Evans, but over 1,000 yards again for Evans. 957 for Godwin. Eight touchdowns for Evans, seven for Godwin. It's pretty close. It's pretty close, but I'd prefer Evans there. Gronk, on the other hand, 58 targets for him. Don't love that. 36 catches, 530. And five, he is, um, you know, he's going to be a higher yards per catch guy as he historically always has been, but not enough volume there for me to go after him. Doesn't have a high enough ceiling at this point in his career. So I'd much rather, if I'm getting a tight end too, the guy's got to have some juice with him. We will keep an eye on OJ Howard. I think he is second in the on the team in catches. This, uh, this team kept, kept him for a reason. 49 targets, 32 catches, 452 and four. And then Cameron Bray chips in. Uh, as the other guy, basically. Only 18 targets projected. So just one, you know, a little over one target per game. Not going to do much unless one of the other guys gets hurt. If they if they do, though, especially if both got hurt, camera break could be pretty interesting. But again, that's a whole bunch of ifs. All right, so let's round it out with the backfield. As good as Ronald Jones has shown he can be at times, he also is really limited. He essentially is an early down back. You know, we had some debate when he was coming out of USC as to whether or not he could actually catch the ball out of the backfield. And the debate was essentially, we don't know because we didn't see him do it. The college level, sometimes they don't do it because they can't do it. Sometimes they don't do it because that's just the offense. Well, he kind of can't do it. He does struggle in that area. 
28 catches on 42 targets last year, 31 on 38 the year before. But I do think when you, when you look at it, Fournette is a better pass catcher. He is not good in pass pro, but that's why you have Giovanni Bernard in there as well. So I do think Fournette is the primary pass catching back, though. I have 45 catches for him, just 15 for Jones, 23 for Gio. I think Jones could lead the backfield in carries. 175 for him at 850, so pretty efficient. 164 for Fournette for 643, but when you add it all up, the work in the passing game makes Fournette the more desirable target, and boy, neither of them are that desirable. Because I think this opens up a big-time headache. Because here's what's going to happen. You fast-forward, and you know this happens every year with certain backfields. Say you start Fournette and Jones goes off. You are going to be next week less inclined to start Fournette, and you know what's going to happen. He'll go off on your bench. And it's just going to lead to frustration after frustration after frustration unless you go in fully expecting that, (laughs) which a lot of people can say that in July, but when it happens in October, it's a different story. So just be aware of that. Arians has not committed to either of these guys, and I don't think he's going to because he doesn't freaking need to. He has both of these guys. And yes, Lombardi-Lenny looks so good down the stretch, but Ronald Jones has looked really good at times too. So, And, you know, the whole, like, free Ronald Jones. Can we give up the free player thing? Anyway, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be split between both of them. uh, And that's that. So I would prefer Fournette, but both of them are essentially RB3s for me, and uh, there's some frustration that comes with that. All right, so there's your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the world champs. The champ is here. We now have two left. Tennessee coming up tomorrow. Washington, the football team, on Tuesday. And then we're going to get into some fun stuff. At Jeff Rackliff on Twitter, at Jeff Rackliff on Instagram, FTNFantasy.com. Go check it out. Even the free stuff. See what we have to offer. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side. I'm Jeff Rackliff, and I'm out of here.